soon. Welcome to Salam Nerds Podcast. We do reviews and recaps of your favorite reality TV shows. Our views do not reflect the contestants outside of the show. Yo, 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 it's the Salam Nerds. My name is Steve, a.k.a. We drop live episodes on YouTube on Sundays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern. All episodes can also be found everywhere podcasts are found. Thank you to all our supporters. Please help us by subscribing and leaving a good review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yo, 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 it's Salam Nerds. My name is Jazz, and yes, unfortunately, I do not have a nickname this week because our boy Neebs is in Arizona for a wedding. Yeah, oh, no. yeah, <laughs> oh, that's why he bailed, huh? Okay, yeah, that's why he bailed. Crypt- <laughs> real cryptic. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's not his wedding, unfortunately, otherwise we'd all be invited, but you know, he's there for our friend. You know, she's having a great time, so good for her. Um... We are also missing our boy Ruzzy this week because he's currently at the UN General Assembly doing big boy jobs while we're here talking about Star Wars. So, Ruzzy, we miss you. Can't wait to have you back next week. But for now, let me introduce our guest. We have Adome joining us once again. Adome? What's going on, everybody? Glad to be back. And this is the best episode so far, so cannot wait. Oh, yes, absolutely. And then joining us again, again for the first time, it's uh, Michael Terrell Ford III. Michael, how you doing, man? I am doing good. I'm doing. I'm happy to be here uh, mm-hmm. in this uh, seminal episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally get the live action <laughs> debut of Grand Admiral Thrawn, and I am ready to talk about it along with some other things that may not be safe for work. Um, we'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> I am looking forward to that. Uh, but real quick, man, what um, we've had a dome on for the past couple of weeks. Uh, tell us about what you do and what other uh, podcasts or streams I share on. So my main project, I mean, I occasionally write for Murphy's Multiverse and yeah. I occasionally contribute content there. And I work sometimes with the, um, the, the, um, sorry, <laughs> the, 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 the um, Agents of Fandom community here and there, but my main project that I've been working on for a better part of three years is the Racial Draft Podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a podcast about uh, race and nerd culture. Uh, we do, we kind of frame it around a superhero fantasy draft. And, um, you know, we, we try to have discussions about uh, race bending and, you know, character um you know, importance within within that lens, and you know, the nerd spaces. You know, when you're a person of color, uh, you you definitely know what it's like to see characters that are coded uh, as a different race as what they might uh, conventionally be in canon. And we try to explore those discussions on the podcast and through the project. Yeah, well, glad to have you here because uh, fun fact, everybody. I'm on the South Asian delegation for the Racial Draft <laughs> Podcast, so uh, you know how to give a shout out to our squad. Where are we? Are we yeah. fourth right now in the rankings? So yeah, moving up, say, in the, yeah. moving up in the world. I have noticed it. I've been paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we know what's yeah, going we, on. Yeah, we got two people of African descent here, so I think we get the first two picks, just not the first, <laughs> but the first two picks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, consistently uh, top five finishers, uh, uh, but there have been, uh, you know, our our you we our mutual friend Carlos does like to. Uh, flex the fact that he's he's a three-time three-season champion and a two-time runner-up so it's a season six so you guys do the math <laughs> yeah right no we love you carlos i hate how good you are at this game <laughs> set up with that out there but all right everybody let's uh jump into soka now so 
who wants to give a quick recap? Because I'm still in my feels. I'm still hype. I just finished the episode. One of you two, if you are a bit more calm than I am, can you please give us a quick rundown of the intro here? I mean, I can't do I can't do the scene by scene breakdown. I can do sort of the the uh, three part synopsis. Uh, you know, we'll start on in hyperspace. Uh, what the whatever you want to call it, the hyperspace highway where Ahsoka and Hu Yang are just kind of passing the time. Uh, Ahsoka lets Hu Yang know that she saw through the force that Sabine, uh, I wouldn't say betrayed her per se, but, you know, Ahsoka definitely feels betrayed. And, um, and, and, you know, Hu Yang in his, in his way, uh, kind of reassures her that the force has its own purpose that she may not be able to see. And there, and perhaps there's a, there's more to the decision that Sabine made. Yeah. She should look at it maybe less like, uh, a betrayal and more like Sabine walking her own path. Um, and then we get a little bit of an Easter egg because it turns out that uh, Hu Yang's seen all the DVDs. Like he, <laughs> he, he's watched all of the movies and he knows that in the universe a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away is how these stories get started. So we got hat tip to whichever nerd came up with that. And that is, of course, the uh, title of the episode, right? A, a galaxy far, far away. You know, so yeah. That is a double entendre. Um, <laughs> um, fast forward, you know, meanwhile, in the galaxy far, far away, further and further away, uh, we get our, our villain trio of uh, Morgan, um, what's the guy's, Balin. Balin. And yeah, Morgan, Balin, and... Sorry, guys. Shin Hati. Uh, Shin Hati. Yeah, yes, yeah. I knew the Hati part. I couldn't remember <laughs> the Shin. Uh, you know, they they arrive and they are met by 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 Morgans and uh, we'll call them night cousins. You know, they're not they're, they're night sisters, but they're twice removed. Um, you know, so we so we meet them. Uh, they they speak in the kind of cool witchcraft witchcrafty tri voice. Um, you know, and, and as has been prophesied. They, they, you know, a little, little discomfort again from, from our girl, uh, our girl Shin, you know, don't care for witches. That's what I, what I'm hearing. And, um, <laughs> and she's surrounded by witches. I also noticed that the, the night sisters don't really care for pronouns. Uh, don't, don't, not for your preferred pronouns. They just, everybody's an it to them. Uh, it smells, <laughs> it smells, it smells of Jedi. And, uh, you know, they send, they, they find out that Sabine was brought along. Uh, for the ride, which was not part of the plan, and uh, you know, Balin's cool as a cucumber as ever. He he realizes that she has a purpose to serve, so he he's uh reassuring them that that, that her purpose will be served, and uh, you know, then they just kind of hang out. They're uh, like you know, definite power move. Uh, we've all we've all experienced it. We've got you know, we've got an appointment, and they're like, yeah, he'll be here when he when he's here, and that's that's Thrawn. Um, so we, that, that leaves us time for us to get a little, uh, heart to heart between our, our master and apprentice, our evil master and apprentice that is, which is, uh, Balin and Shin, where, um, we get a little bit more insight into what motivates Balin, uh, where Balin, uh, explains that, you know, he, yes, he was in the order and he doesn't really miss being a Jedi as much as he misses what he used to believe how he used to feel, how being a Jedi made him feel. And he's, uh, he's you know, he's kind of lost that feeling and he's trying to restore the feeling by fight with it. Whatever this mysterious force uh, that's going to provide power is on this. Peridia is the name of the planet, right? Uh, on, on, right, on planet Peridia, uh, there, there's apparently some, some force that he believes that the night, night sisters, well, night cousins, we'll call them, um, <laughs> you know, that are, they're leaving, they're leaving the planet, but there's the power that they can retrieve. He wants to start anew. He wants to, um, you know, end the cycles, break the wheel, if you will, um, of, of, of uh, the Empire rising and the Jedi's rising <laughs> and back and forth. Apparently, he's also seen the Star Wars movies and he knows that there are sequels coming where uh, this pattern re repeats <laughs> itself. And he's like, oh, we need an offshoot. We need an offshoot trilogy, damn it. 
you know <laughs> so this is perfect yeah you know so that's what he's 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 looking for and then uh you know we get a cut to sabine well let's stop right here let's uh oh, yeah, yeah, and that's a whole lot of Star Wars real quick. So <laughs> I know, I, I mean, you're doing great so far, but uh, before people start forgetting things, let's uh, talk about certain scenes. Uh, a dome. When we were in the whale or the purgle's mouth, um, what did you think about that scene? Because I know MTF touched on a very important thing, and that was how Q Yang interacted with Ahsoka there. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene? I thought it was very interesting that Ahsoka kind of told Huang, hey, through the Force, I found out that she betrayed me. And I kind of stopped for a second. I was like, that's interesting that she was able to do that because, like, Obi-Wan couldn't sense Anakin betrayed him through the Force when, when you know, when Order 66 happened. I mean, he basically was in denial about it until Yoda made him watch the video of Anakin <laughs> chopping up people in the temple. I was like, okay, Ahsoka, I see you trying to get to the meat of the thing. But I thought that, you know, Huang kind of giving her the... she He really just straight up mastered her you know okay ahsoka you're the apprentice in this situation for a minute let me school you on this the force will provide there are paths for her maybe it's only going to work in her favor and that's how that's going to go and i thought that was a very interesting tie to what happens when the nice sisters meet sabine because immediately as michael had said they immediately go it reeks of jedi and they you know they lock her up and she's kind of like couldn't be me i'm not a jedi but they clearly picked up on that so i thought that was interesting and I love the fact that the scene between Ahsoka and Huyang was before, like, the opening credits of this episode where we got the actual name of the episode, Far, Far Away. And, Mike, it's actually a triple entendre because if you go back to when Filoni was at Star Wars Day, the crowd asked him, you know, where's Thrawn? And he said, okay, you want me to tell you? And he literally said, he's far, far away, which is the name of the episode. I thought that was a nice little uh, callback to what they were talking about. Um, but yeah, no, I thought it was an awesome setup. And um, you know, if we could jump just a little bit forward, I thought that when the Chimera shows up, it was probably one of the best Star Wars entrances that I've ever seen. <laughs> I mean, they totally nailed the music. I love the fact that we got the Star Destroyer first, and it was looming, and you could see that it was pretty banged up. I mean, it looked like a couple of the engines were out. Um, and yeah. when they showed the Stormtroopers before Thrawn actually walks up, I thought it was very interesting that most of the Stormtroopers' armor was pretty damaged. It looked like it had been sewn back together. I noticed that all the cloth on them was completely red. And I was wondering, all right, did the Night Sisters, did they have a, you know, a hand in this? Did they fix it? And um, there's this Japanese um, art of kind of re re repairing broken pottery with um, gold. It's called uh, Kintsugi. And I thought that was kind of awesome how they definitely had that in there with all the, mainly the Stormtroopers' helmets. They were all kind of repaired that way, showing that they had been, they've they've been through some shit in their exile. Clearly, um, so you know, I, I I thought that was that was pretty awesome. What it reminded me of is, uh, you know, when I was a kid and I broke my toys and I tried to crazy glue them uh, together uh, so that I could keep playing with them. <laughs> that that's that was the emotional vibe that I was getting uh, from from the uh, the much much harder, much rougher uh, Thrawn troopers that we got. Yeah, no, um, when I saw the Star Story come in with the gold replacements, I'm like, where did they get those? Or did they get those? Did they have to, like, just make them out here by themselves and figure it out? Because it definitely didn't fit any specs that the Star Stories had. So it was fascinating to see just how much damage they've been through. And then, like uh, Adil was saying, even the uh, Thrawn Troopers, so we're now calling them, uh, all the battle damage they've had, like, this has not been easy for them. So I'm very glad they're showing just how much stress, how much they've had to fight, like, how much they've had to, like, try to survive here in this wild world. And it's really cool to see just the impact of that. And when we see Thrawn coming out, what did y'all think? Uh, let's start with the MTF. So it was epic. It really, it really felt epic. The way that they were, this, the, 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 like I said, the dirty storm, dirty Thrawn troopers were, were sort of lined up, uh, looking just intimidating as hell. And then, you know, the, the way that they had the chant for Thrawn as he came out, uh, you know, still, still looking regal, even though, you know, it's been 10 years, even though, I mean, I, there has been some discourse about maybe the years not being as kind to to uh, Thrawn in terms of him keeping up with his his workout regimen, but 
who among us, among us, after, you know, being in exile, you know, it's like the pandemic. In the first couple of months, you're keeping up your workouts. Then after a while, you know, you got other priorities. So that's how I saw it. I also, you know, I'm really curious about what his plan was. Like you guys were thinking, like you guys mentioned the, uh, I think it's the the Japanese art uh, with, with the gold. But that got me thinking, I'm, I doubt it's gold. I doubt that material is gold. And, you know, in the background, they had a lot of things that they were loading onto the ship. And what I'm wondering is if that same material that's been woven into the Star Destroyer, Destroyer and has been woven into their armor is, is, is some kind of new exotic material that we're going to hear about. Hey. And um, real quick, and if, man. Uh, yeah. Before uh, Neves, what's going on? Neves, join the chat real quick uh, <laughs> from Arizona. Um, MTF, won't you finish your thought? But uh, Neves, man, what's up, dude? Hey, he's trying to unmute. <laughs> oh nope, he dipped. <laughs> All right, cool. <laughs> I guess it's somewhere to say hi, guys, and then he's out. All right. So yeah, as you were saying, oh wow, he's on date. Okay. Ooh. That Wait, is dedication. Okay. Oh, Needs. Oh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So he's the second on the yeah. podcast. He's on a date. Good for him, yeah. brother. Best of luck wow. to you. Well, speaking of a date, we have to talk about the most sexual scene in Star Wars history, and it involves a Star Destroyer and a tower. I mean, that's what you meant. <laughs> I mean, the Mormons call it soaking. And I saw a Star Destroyer mount a tower very slowly and very deliberately. And <laughs> they, I've listened, we've seen a lot of dockings in our day, but no docking as overtly sexual as Thrawn, you know, just doing it to Night Sister Tower. And, and then they, they had the nerve later in the episode to cut back to the scene of it just kind of resting there, just resting on the tower, just, you know, listen, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's just me, but I feel like there, 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 there's something to that. There's some kind of connection happening. And, who, you know, who, who among us? Who among us after uh, many years, many years of being in a different place? You know, you try, you try some different things out. So. I'm dead. <laughs> No, oh man, I don't I don't know where to begin, but let me just let me just say this. So it reminded me of um one of Tarkin's lines from episode four where he says, Well, crush the rebellion in one smooth stroke. I was like, Well, we got the smooth stroke with the Star Destroyer on top of the tower. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, um I just I love the fact that we go back to just finish up on Thrawn's entrance. You know, you kind of got the slow roll where you got a shot of the stormtroopers, you got his feet, then you kind of got his legs. I love the fact that he walked up. And the camera pans to him, and there was no ceremony. He's just talking in it. And then he says, you know, um, I wrote this down. He says, what was first a dream has become a frightening reality for those who may oppose us. And I was like, damn, he's just totally back. It didn't even break any cadence at all. Like, he's been waiting for this, and he's ready to go. And, Mike, you're completely right. The, you know, the Thon P90X workout definitely did not follow him into exile. He definitely, uh, <laughs> he's been hitting the hitting the java juice a little bit i think <laughs> uh, exile was, was not kind to him so hopefully he's going to be you know stuck on the bridge not any hand-to-hand combat because that's not going to go well for him i think in his current state but i also love the fact that when the night sisters tell him you know oh you know they brought sabine and then bail introduces himself and he goes general you must be from the jedi order it's almost like he knows him already and then he gives a kind of jab talking about anakin and vader like oh yeah, i left the order and he's like well you're not the first person to do that. And then he goes into, all right, take me to Sabine. That's a familiar face. I love the fact that they just completely rewarded the people who have watched Clone Wars and Rebels with Thrawn's entrance. They didn't even bother trying to explain like what he is, what he's going to do. It literally just popped him right in and like, hey, he's here. He's in live action. We got the same guy who did the voice. I thought it was perfect. Um, I mentioned this on a previous podcast, Jazz. When they announced that Ahsoka was coming out, I went back and I've been listening to all the Thrawn books. So I did Heir to the Empire Dark Force Rising, Last Command, and then I did um, Thrawn from 2017, Thrawn Trees, and Thrawn Alliances, and I'm on the last book of the of the, the prequels, uh, Thrawn Ascendancy, and it's been awesome to just kind of seamlessly weave into that with the way the show has gone. So, if you're not up on the books and some of the chist lore, I highly recommend it. It's it's some awesome Star Wars writing. For sure, so, for sure. So tying to that, 
Um, it's been a while since I read the original uh, Zahn trilogy, you know, which is no longer canon, of course. Um, and But there was one element that I've always kind of been intrigued by and thought that it should make its way into the canon. Um, I'm not sure the exact mechanism that, they, that they'll use, but um, in the original trilogy, Thrawn had sort of figured out a way to create a bubble within which... I was hoping you'd bring force, this up. Yes. Within which the Force does not uh, does not exist. What I'm wondering is if in those canis, in in those things that they're loading up, um, is that sort of key, uh, whether it's the the beings that were in the in the novels or whether it's that even potentially that material that's been woven into their uniforms, um, whether they can sort of use that to create some kind of, you know, for lack of a better term, like anti-force material, um, you know, which would create this whole new threat and whole new dimension to Thrawn as a potential Star Wars big bad. So you're talking, yeah, you're talking about the Yislamiri. They're like little lizards and he wears them on his, essentially his neck and his chest. And he walks around and it creates a force bubble. You're absolutely right. But because this is all very fresh to me. So in the canon books, he is aware of Luke Skywalker and he's, I don't want to say he's terrified, but he's aware that like, hey, I have to protect myself. So that's why they loaded up so many Yislamiri to protect from this new Jedi threat. I don't actually think if we're talking about conspiracy theories now, I think those canisters are full of Night Sister corpses and he's going to resurrect the zombie army. I think that's why they were talking I think, I think why we're talking about the catacombs. And if you remember in Clone Wars when they're on uh, Dathomir, they, the, the Night Sisters, I think that's when Grievous is there. They totally resurrect some of their old... Um, you know, th their dead cousins is redeeming them. Like, uh, I really like that. I'm going to use that. Their dead cousins to bring it back. So I think that's what is being loaded up. I don't think they're going to bring in just somebody like this. I actually think that because of this is gone, I know Jazz, I think you were talking about in a previous episode where you thought Thrawn would be coming in the last episode. I think, I, I think, you think you had said that. So that's obviously not the case now, but I actually think that they're, they're going to hold some stuff back because of the Empire movie that they're going to make. So, like, we could see the Islamiri in the movie that they make because I think that they're going to actually make a version of Heir to the Empire. They're going to have to bring in Luke, Leia, and Han and younger versions of themselves. And that's where we might see the, the force-blocking ability that you're talking about. That's a very exciting idea. And, oh, my God, I'm so hyped right now. So, it's funny that you mentioned, the, you know, the, the dark magic. Uh, well, is that what they called it? They call it dark magic, not night magic, right? Um, I, the minute they showed us Purgle bones, that brought my mind to Game of Thrones, uh, Knights King, Army of the Dead. What happens uh -huh. if the Knight Sisters <laughs> find a way to create corpse uh, zombie Purgles? Uh, is that too far? Is that too much? Bruh. No, I don't think it is, because if you remember later in the episode, he tells, and I love this line, he says, if, if any space whales approach, destroy them with prejudice. And I was like, oh, right. okay, Thrawn, you're really, <laughs> you're, you're really about taking these corpses down, so you, you, you could be right. When he said that line, I felt it. I'm like, you know, um, you know, I actually didn't talk about what I felt about Thrawn. I had the same reaction as all of you. You know, he was kind of chubby, and I'm like, okay, they're not keeping accurate to the live at or the sorry cgi but then when he said that line all of that went out the window and i'm like you know what this is the thrawn i remember just cole's calculated evil like sinister like this is the thrawn i wanted to see and he just does, executed it perfectly so yes i mean this is so much fun and i love like what he did right after so real quick let's talk about uh what happened in the next scene which is where he actually let a Sabine go. He gave her a howler and he honored the agreement Balin's uh, skull gave her. And so this was another part of Thrawn that I really love because even in Rebels, right? He always honored contracts. He honored a certain code. It's not exactly written, but he's always been true to this. He's always true to keeping his word, making things happen. And he held up there under the bargain where he said, hey, we said you can find Ezra. Here you go. Here's a howler. Go at it. Now, obviously, he, they never promised anything about not hunting them, and that's what they're going to do. And so, this is exactly what I would expect from Thrawn. Um, what are your thoughts? That, uh, that's, uh, that seems yeah, super petty, though. It, I have to admit, it seemed petty. Like, he, 
he already said, I don't care if I leave them behind. He could have just, yeah, you know, he's, I've got bigger fish to fry. It seemed a little pettier than, than I would, would normally expect of Thrawn. I don't know your thoughts. So I, I don't know, because all the books are fresh to me, I, I disagree. I don't think it was petty. I think it was pretty much in character. He's showing, okay, even though you're my enemy, I will respect where you're from. I mean, if you remember in Rebels, I mean, and even in some of the books, Thrawn is obsessed with art and he uses yeah. art to understand other people. And if you remember, he had actually captured a whole bunch of Mandalorian art when Sabine was a prisoner and she was pissed that he had had it. And so I think this is kind of like his way of being like, I'm still the same person you remember. Like, you know, I am your enemy, but, you know, I respect what you've done. And because, you know, he, I think he said something like, you know, you've helped my cause. So, you know, I will honor our agreement. Like basically said, hey, you made sure that I could get out of exile. Here's the token back for it. But as soon as she leaves, it's like you said, like, hey, we're going to send some people out to hunt you. And also he added, like, by the way, I'm leaving here very shortly. And once I do, no one else is coming here. So, like, are you sure you want to have your agreement honored to go chase Ezra? If you do, all right, fine. I'll give you the howler. You can go out and find him. Um, I thought it was also interesting that he had said, okay, we'll give you some rations. We'll give you a howler. And the last bit he added was really interesting to me. He said, okay, we'll give you the intel on Ezra's latest whereabouts. That planet, there isn't a lot going on. They know about the nomads there. So I'm part of me thinks that they knew exactly where Ezra was and they were just waiting to use that. So my theory on that is that Ezra has also figured out some way to block his presence because I think what they're picking up on are remnants of it. By the time they get there, they've already moved on. He somehow found a way to delay his forced presence in the area because otherwise he should have been dead by now. And yeah, I think they were going to use Sabine here because she's probably the only one in the universe who can track Ezra down, and that will lead them to him. Now, Thrawn, being the calculated person that he is, he's not going to let a loose thread like Ezra remain alive out there. I think he definitely wanted to use uh, Balin Skull and uh, Shin Hati to go kill him, even though he was like, all right, we're going to use her. And that's exactly what he told Balin. It's like, yeah, she'll serve her purpose. So somehow Thrawn yeah. had calculated all of this way at the time. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, people were questioning why, if, um, if Thrawn knew where Ezra was, why he didn't kill him a long time ago. And my thought process was, well, at this juncture, he's more valuable as bait. He's more valuable alive for someone like Sabine to come back there to get him than if he were already dead. Um, you know, that if he, I mean, now granted he could have captured him and taken him as a hostage and just, you know, kept him chained up somewhere. But the, but the principle is still, if he knows where Ezra is, then he can use that as leverage against anyone else that might encounter him that would be looking for Ezra. It's a classic Thrawn move, I would agree. It's fascinating to think about it because I think the reason he didn't capture Ezra is I think he knows enough about the Force to know that the Force could warn other Jedi or other Force-sensitive individuals about what's happening. So he was playing chess here while everyone else is playing checkers. He's like, no, I'm going to leave him. I'm going to leave him alive. I'm going to leave him be, let him do his own thing, and this is bait. But I know I cannot interfere because if I do, it could ruin a future plan. Was so, he playing Thrawn's... chess or was he playing chiss? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, let's go to the comments. Uh, Ruzzy, who could not make it to our podcast tonight, uh, mentioned that uh, he still kept Harris Heirloom, which is the uh, Calicori that uh, the Twi'leks use to mark their family tree. And so the fact that he kept that all these years to show that we're in for one hell of a showdown and it's going to foreshadow some kind of interaction between Captain Hera and uh, Admiral Thrawn. So I'm very excited to see that. Um, but before we go on to the next section real quick, let's take our first commercial break. Uh, we'll be back real soon. <laughs> 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Great. Welcome back, everybody. Um, for those of you on the stream, yeah, obviously we don't have a commercial here. That's really just for the uh, podcast listeners on Spotify and Apple Music. But uh, yeah, let's jump right back into it. So the Calicori, uh, the fact that he's, he still has it. Uh, Adome, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, I mentioned this before, he loves art. He, you know, collects it. His quarters and throne room are always decorated with it. I think he's keeping it for a couple of purposes. One, just to keep himself, you know, occupied and engaged because he's cut off from exploring new art where he is now. And two, he also knows that at some point I'm going to be out of this exile and I might need this to either bark my way out of it or lay a trap or something like that. So I think it's all just laying the breadcrumbs for just pissing off, I guess we're calling them the, the, the new Republic now in, in any ways that he can to draw them off of whatever his other plans are. I mean, he clearly has a lot of things in motion as soon as he gets back from the you know the the far far away place uh you know where he is now but what's interesting is i'm very curious to know how much information he knows about what's happened because you know i don't want to jump too far ahead here but there's another character who we meet in this episode who has no idea what's happened since he was taken away and so i'm curious to know because last time we saw thrawn this was the siege of lothal so he doesn't know anything about Yavin, doesn't know anything about the Death Star, doesn't know anything about Hoth, nothing about, you know, Endor or anything like that. So I'm curious to know what his plans are for when he goes actually back, because he probably has an idea that the Empire is in the same spot, but knowing that it's completely gone and he's essentially going to have to bring it back, that, that's very interesting to me when it comes to people like Hera. Well, MTF, what are your thoughts? Because I think you probably have the best ideas here for this. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very curious, um, you know, Obviously, he has whatever information he would have gotten from Morgan. Uh, you know, I was tr I was wasn't keen on on how much access they had in you know with databases and the like. You know, the, the fact that he sent uh, I think it was Morgan that he sent to try to put together a file on on Ahsoka sort of suggested that he had um, a fair amount of records, but these would have been records from beforehand. Maybe she did bring in her ship. I mean, she's got a, a, you know, this, that giant ring that's just hanging up, hanging up there. You know, maybe I will, of, of, of the things that he would have sent for, he definitely would have sent for as much information about what's happened since he's left as possible. So maybe there's a droid that he, that could give him the quick, the quick recap you know, previously on Star Wars, you know, uh, like he's just, he's just banging. He's just, he's just been binging, binging the Clone Wars, uh, the later seasons, um, you know, and, and Rebels and the Bad Batch. He's, he's done it all. He's got the whole Disney plus subscription, but I, I would imagine, I would imagine that by the finale, he's not only learned about everything that's happened thus far, but has figured out uh, his strategy for taking over the Shadow Council and um, and staying under the radar of the New Republic. We, who probably, if we're if we're being honest, there's probably a spy in the New Republic that's just waiting to whatever the the Thrawn version of Hail Hydra is uh, is just waiting to be said. Um, you know, from within, they're they're spies clearly. I believe it. I totally believe that. And uh, when you're talking about the New Republic, I'm it's going to fly under the radar. I also believe that's going to happen because the New Republic really just seems so incompetent here that even in the second episode, right, where they were building this hyperspace ring, they had Imperial sympathizers just right under the nose taking parts and under the guise of business, and no one said a damn thing. So, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there were way more spies in here. And I think we're going to see a lot of them very soon. Um, all right. Uh, Adome, do you want to do a recap of what happened next? Or should I just Sure, sure. Right, yeah, so do it, we man. have the, the different thread of 
Sabine out there looking for her friend and her howler and her kind of have a, a little bit of a master dog moment where, you know, you abandoned me. How dare you? But when the, <laughs> the howler kind of just like, you know, lowers his head, puts his tail between his legs and tries to help her further and leads them to this place where there are all these rocks saying that, you know, laid down. And at first she thinks that the howler is completely stupid because he stops to get a, or it stops to get a drink of water. But then the rocks start moving and these little Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle like characters start popping up <laughs> out of nowhere. And I, I have a thread to go with that further. So just hold on, hold on to that. So they all start popping up. There's a whole bunch of them. And I thought it was really interesting how she's just trying to talk basic to them and they're just not responding at all. She keeps saying Ezra. And then all of a sudden, one of them in the middle of his or its speech just goes, oh, yeah, Ezra Bridger, this way. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so they, you know, they leave the canyon. And I think in between that scene, there's another scene between Balin and Shin where they're talking about you know, kind of what's out there. And Shin, to me, is very, very skeptical of everything about, you know, their turn to lead and what this great power is. I still don't know exactly what Balin is talking about, this greater thing that he's after that's going to help him achieve his mission. But I thought it was very interesting, another Master and Apprentice conversation, a very nuanced one that we don't really get between Jedi and Master. I feel like most of the conversations between Master and Apprentice are either really volatile or they're just agreeing with each other. You either have, like, the Anakin and Obi-Wan or you kind of have the quiet and Obi-Wan where they're just like bickering with each other so I feel like that was a very different nuanced conversation it really hold does up. feel like so sorry yeah Jeff, no, go ahead. hold up did you just call them Jedi <laughs> well that's what I was gonna say it really does feel like Balon considers himself still sort of staying in keeping with with the Jedi way it feels like you know you know often people say that the that villains think that they're the hero of their of their own story like yeah, he, i think he's he believes in his heart of hearts that the jedi lost their way and he's trying to uh maintain the good aspects of what made be, being a jedi great but use this new power to kind of course correct whatever that may be i mean and even the way that he talked disdainfully about the uh, Boken Jedi that were um, that were trained up outside of the temple. He was like he was basically calling them bootleg Jedi's, um, and, <laughs> and he was like, "But I, but I trained you to be so much more than that." You know, I I think he looks at what he's doing to be to 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 capture um, what's maybe a little smattering of what the Sith do, but mostly what the Jedi do. So he's, he's an definitely... end justifies the means kind of Jedi. Uh, you know, it's very interesting, Adome, you brought this up because I really am curious to know what your thoughts are. Like, is he still a Jedi or is he not? I mean, or he's somewhere in between? What do you think, man? So he's definitely somewhere in between. Um, if you go back a couple of episodes, I think it's maybe the first one when they were talking about, you know, killing Ahsoka and he said, it'd be such a shame. There are so few Jedi left. I was like, oh, he's not totally far gone. He appreciates her presence in the Force and things like that. But, you know, it's still hard to get a read on him. You know, I think I mentioned this uh, in an earlier episode, but when they first casted the show, I actually thought that Ray Stevenson was playing uh, – Ray Stevenson, rest in peace, I have to mention that. Um, you know, I thought he was playing Darth Savioth, who is the, one of the main villains from the Heir to the Empire books who was actually um, Palpatine and, and had a clone. Uh, this is a complete spoiler from the Empire. It's, it's 40 years old, whatever. So um, <laughs> in the books, Palpatine, Palpatine had cloned an older Jedi named Sabaoth and stuck him on a world called Wayland. And Thrawn actually makes his way to Wayland. And it's funny, you, Mike, you mentioned you know, the force blocking. This is how Thrawn actually is able to first approach Sabaoth because he has the Isomiri blocking the force. We can actually have a conversation with him. And so I thought originally when Stevenson was cast, he was playing Darth Sabaoth, complete dark Jedi. He's after, in the books, he's completely after Luke and Leia's two twins that she's carrying in the books. And so this is a very different take on that character, or I guess the version of that character. I'm glad Balin Skull has been created because I think he's an awesome character. But I, do, I would like one or two flashbacks on his character, just to kind of paint the background on him a little bit to get more of a read on him. Because there's a lot of time between when Order 66 happened for him because he told Shin about it and now. 
I mean, he clearly was not Shin's master at the time. So I want to know, like, how did you find Shin? Like, was it some, like, Force Unleashed moment where you're on a mission and then you find a baby and then you just decide to bring him along? Or was it somebody else's apprentice? I want to know their whole backstory because there's a lot there I think that would help inform kind of what his mission is because he's in the middle. I don't think he's complete Jedi. He's not complete Sith, but he's after something that I think leans more towards the Sith side of of things, which is just trying to control everything. Jedi are more kind of let things go and and let the force flow to them. He's definitely more on the, I want to find this big power and control everything. And kind of, as you mentioned, kind of break the wheel, kind of um, a little bit of Daenerys and Littlefinger from game of Thrones. Like I don't want to climb the ladder of chaos. I want to break the ladder. That's, that's, that's kind of the vibes that I get from him. But but again, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like he wants to rule though. That's the weird thing. Mm-hmm. Like it it feels it really does feel like he wants to create a new order, a new a, a new order of force users, whether they're called Jedi or called something else, and and have almost sort of transcend the light side dark side dichotomy and and create a. For, you know, people have talked about gray Jedi's for you know gray Jedi for years, but something akin to that, where where there's where they're not caught between those poles. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see whether that's the, the the realm, you know, the the direction that they take the story. But it, that's what it's sort of uh, giving for me. That's the vibe that it's giving. He kind of reminds me of um, Malakos from Fallen Order a little bit too. It's fascinating because, like, the show's called Ahsoka, and she also left the Jedi Order. Her sabers are white. And so now we see Balin Skull essentially preach the same thing, but he leans a bit more Sith while Ahsoka leans a bit more Jedi. It's really cool to see the dichotomy here. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's leading to that we're not too different, you and I. Yeah, right? <laughs> speech that you always get. <laughs> Also, another thing uh, I'll be pointing out, this is very Game of Thrones-like. Like, even the end scene, or the end credits, where they have the star map, it's like the uh, intro for Game of Thrones, where they're showing the map of uh, Westeros and all the places people are, and now suddenly we see the same thing, like, oh, we're going to break the wheel, or we're going to break the cycle. Is this not just a Game of Thrones ripoff at this point? I mean, if, if, if there's zombie purgle, I think we're... Yeah, exactly. We get an army of the dead, you know, leading, you know, going, uh, spending a season marching on Coruscant. Uh, Yeah, we're we're getting there. We're getting getting to season season six, we'll call it, of Game of Thrones. (laughs) Yeah, I love it. I love it. This uh, Game of Thrones should end, and Star Wars is going to fix it and show how it's done. (laughs) Hopefully, yeah. (laughs) Which is even more fascinating because weren't the the D and D brothers weren't they supposed to lead a Star Wars project, but then they got kicked off because they yeah, bought, they, they were like, botched. They were. Yeah. Oh, is this the whole game here? Yeah, and yeah. And, and Hu Yang's gonna finish the books. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> wait a minute! No, he's already finished them. He's already finished them. He's already finished. <laughs> they're, they're already done. They're already done. <laughs> oh my god, this yeah. is epic. Um, but you're. <laughs> Let me finish the recap, uh, bringing in our last reveal. So Sabine goes with the little Ninja Turtles to their camp. And when there are Ninja Turtles around, there has to be a splinter, right? So we get to the camp. Sabine's looking around. She sees this little community of people that's kind of living there. And she's a little disappointed that, you know, she was hoping to see more. And I thought it was a great shot where the camera pans around just enough where you can see the silhouette of someone behind her. And you hear a voice, and he says, I knew I could count on you. And bam, we finally get Ezra in live action, not in a hologram. And he's real, like, you know, he kind of looks like white people think Jesus should look in real life. That's kind of how I thought about with the beard and everything. That's, I was like, that's how Jesus actually probably looked in real life, not this whitewashed nonsense. Um, so he's, he's standing there. And, I mean, I was kind of expecting a little bit of a, a darker mood from him, but he was a complete opposite. He was cheerful. He was hopeful. And, I mean... He clearly wanted to know, like, hey, how'd you get here? Like, did my plan work? And Sabine was very just like, it's almost like when your girl has bad news, but she doesn't want to give it to you. And he was, she was just like, you know what? Let me just enjoy this, and I'll tell you the bad stuff later. And he just kind of <laughs> went with it. So she clearly is going to disappoint him when he finds out that she basically betrayed Ahsoka to get there. But, you know, more to be seen from that. And I, I kept thinking... 
I kept thinking of that uh, conceited gift, uh, con- the conceited gift, the reaction gift when when he was like, "I can't wait to get home." It was like, "Yeah, <laughs> are, you, are, are you sure? Um, are you sure you want to go sure? home?" <laughs> yeah, and I was actually a little surprised that um, Sabine did not present his lightsaber back to him. Um, argument can be made. It's not her. It's not his lightsaber anymore. I was a little surprised, but then it could have been like the whole thing, like, "Hey, this belongs to you," and she, and then he could have been like, "Actually, it suits you better," and then we could have had the actual, you know, gifting it. But you know, I thought that you know, there, there's a lot there. I think there's going to be a reveal that he built his own lightsaber. Um, they're, they're saving it because mm-hmm. you know, at this point, he's got nothing to fight. But um, like I, I could see that happening in the heat of in the heat of battle. Where you know she tries to give him the lightsaber, and he you know, and he says no, no, take it, and then he breaks out his own lightsaber that's all tricked out and cool. Um, I, you know, I can't wait for that. You gotta sell toys, right? You gotta sell the new, the the upgraded uh, Ezra saber. I believe it, hundred percent. He has another lightsaber somewhere, and real quick, uh, a dome NTF. What do you think the colors could be? Because I'm real curious about this one. Um. So I hope it's double bladed yellow for, for him. Yeah, I think I think I think we we really deserve that at this point. All right, all right. Yeah, MTF. Uh, I don't know. I gotta I gotta go classic blue. You know, but maybe like I said, maybe maybe it's got a it's it's got that old that old gun saber thing design from back in the day. Um, from the old uh, Rebels days, you know, everyone can can do DiCaprio point at the screen, you know, like, I know that design. <laughs> That's actually exactly. where I'm hoping it goes. I hope it's a blue saber, and then Sabine give him the green saber, which looks very familiar to where Ahsoka was not too long ago, having a green and blue saber. And it's yeah. all going to tie all of it back together. And Yeah, that's the wrong way for it. Um... Aside from that, was there anything we missed? Um, I feel like there was one end scene, but I can't remember what it was off the top of my head. Yeah, um, so um, I can close well, it out. Well, so, real, real quick, real quick, I, I just want to jump in and I want to say that I was shipping it. I feel like our little noty, um, our, our little noty turtle people were shipping it. They wanted them to kiss. I didn't understand their mm-hmm. language. They were like, kiss, kiss, kiss. That you know, the hug wasn't enough. They everyone was was just waiting for a little smooch. So maybe we'll get one. We'll get one by the end for sure. But uh, yeah, Adon, uh, you want to finish it off? Maybe once the sun goes down on that planet, they can you know. <laughs> anyway, that's <laughs> never mind. So I believe the end of the episode is back with Thrawn. He's talking to Morgan. Um, I thought there was a very interesting um, thread in that conversation because when they find out that Ahsoka is on her way. Thrawn tells Morgan, hey, I need to know everything about her, her background, who her master is. And this ties directly to one of the Thrawn books, uh, Thrawn Treason. This book has two timelines. One takes place after um, Return of the Jedi, and there's one that takes place during the Clone Wars. And in the books, Thrawn meets Anakin Skywalker, and they go on a mission together to rescue Padme. So I'm very interested to see if they bring this in because Thrawn clearly is going to learn who Ahsoka's master is. And he's going to think to himself, Oh, I know this person. It's funny because in the book, in the post return of the Jedi timeline, you know, Thrawn clearly knows that Anakin is Vader, but Vader doesn't want to admit it when they're together. And so Thrawn will mention Anakin and Vader would just be like, Anakin Skywalker is dead. And Thrawn's just like, yeah, okay, bro. Sure. (laughs) You're standing right here. (laughs) Sure. So that's, that's, that's going to be really interesting. And then the end of the episode, Thrawn basically tells the night sisters, Hey, I need to borrow some of your dark magic. Once again, he clearly has done them a great service because he keeps cashing in these favors for them. And I think that's also why that this zombie army is coming. He's kind of promised them, hey, I'm going to bring back, you know, all the people that you've lost, take it back to the other galaxy, maybe even take it back to their home planet and, and go from there. So I love that the episode ended with um, Thrawn talking and the camera panning out and there's kind of all these moving pieces. And I also love the fact that we didn't actually see Ahsoka and Hu Yang arrive on the planet. Yeah, I thought that was very powerful. Yeah, I, I was, I was, awesome. I was very happy that they did that. So no, I think that's the end of the episode. Let me know if I miss anything. I think you nailed it, and that's gonna lead us into a wonderful intro for the next episode next week. But uh, MTF, what are your thoughts on the ending of this episode? 
I mean, I, I what I will say is that I was surprised that he 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 was knowledgeable about uh, Balan and his history, but it seemed like he didn't know Ahsoka's history. That that seemed a little off to me. Um, because someone as learned as him, someone who would have known who at this point, presumably who Darth Vader was and who Darth Vader used to be, uh, the name Ahsoka Tano would have, unless it was purged from the records somehow, um, you know, should have raised an eyebrow for him. So I don't know, um, how they, they're going to fill that, fill that gap in, in terms of, uh, why, you know, why he doesn't have that piece of information despite being the master strategist who you know definitely does his research but uh it could just be that you know he knew her by a different name or something like that but um i you know hopefully he'll get a quick download and he'll be able to uh use all the history all the seasons of the clone wars uh all the backstory um, he'll even have <laughs> break he'll break out some art from um uh, from ahsoka's home world and, you know, he's even seen the Tales of the Jedi shorts, so he can show her that cat that, that, she, that she wrote. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> All right, guys, I think that's the end of the episode. Um, real quick, Adon, where can people find you? At House Coop on, I'm not going to say, we'll say Twitter and IG, so I still call it. The app yeah. only known as Twitter, yes. <laughs> MTF, uh, where can people find you and uh, your podcast forever? Yeah, uh, so while Twitter remains free, you can find me there at MTFIII and the podcast Racial Draft Pod. You can also find Racial Draft on all your podcast platforms, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you can also find us on racialdraft.com. I have the, I own the domain, domain, domain name. Uh, and uh, AOL, IG, there's racial draft pages there as well, but um, yeah, we're 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 uh, winding down season six and about to start ramping up for season seven, where we change the complexion of the comic book universe one draft pick at a time. Hit that catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs> Real quick, but, did uh, you say AOL? Uh, yeah, I said AOL, but I mean I met Facebook, but it's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell? <laughs> Are you sure well, that's you on there? <laughs> you got the gray hair and everything, you know. I, I'd believe it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Dial yeah. up your modem, put your DVD into your DVD drive, and get yourself <laughs> 10 free hours of the Racial Draft podcast. You've got Racial Draft mail. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you both for coming on. It's always a pleasure having you on talking about Star Wars and every yeah. other thing with nerd culture. Yeah. Uh, Adome, Michael, thank you so much. We love you guys. Um, yep. Real quick, I want to give a shout out to uh, one of our listeners, Maria Josh. Uh, when Adome mentioned how uh, Ezra looked like Jesus, she and I had that exact same conversation earlier today. So, you know, big shout out to all of our fans out there. Uh, this episode will go live in a couple of days. And uh, I do want to apologize for last week's episode not going up. I just didn't have time. Um, but that'll be up tomorrow. Uh, or, sorry. When this goes live, it'll be up yesterday. Um, and then this episode will be go up, go up on Friday. Um, but that's all I have tonight, guys. Thank you so much for joining us. Hope you have a great time. And until next time, salam, nerds. Peace. Thanks, guys. Peace. Peace.